Hello guys, my name is Michael Uday, and this is the first of what I am endeavoring to make a consistent uh, podcasting episode uh, called You Tuned In. And uh, my objective with this podcast is, is going to be freedom through offensive truth. Um, I want to help those who want to take back what inauthenticity has, t- inauthenticity has taken from them, has stolen from them. And I guess that's why I call it offensive truth is because I feel like that most of the time when we're telling the truth, when we are intentional about telling the truth, it's because we've been asked a question or some sort of inquiry. And I feel like that the truth should be very much so offensive and weaponized and gaining ground on a society that seems to glorify the inauthentic and lies. And I want to create a roadmap for the parts of society that want to find their way back. Um, so, so that's what I'll be endeavoring to do with this. And I thought about credentialing, my, credentialing myself. And I, I think that that's usually what would happen, uh, at a time like this, I would tell you all the reasons why you should listen to me or value the things that I say or the feedback that I would give. But I'm not going to do that right now because I feel like that truth is available for everyone to practice maniacally, um, I don't, I don't need to tell you all the reasons why I would be a credible source, all the reasons why um, that this would be something good to, to listen to. It's every single person that communicates has a burden placed on them uh, to do that to the best of their abilities and be the most effective. And I feel like that when you practice truth, You not only give yourself the ability to do that, but you also give other people the permission to be truthful as well. Um, So I'll try to be fair and transparent as I go through this process. And if I'm offering you a theory instead of an emphatic truth, I will I will try to to tag that and say, hey, this is just a theory of mine. This is a thought that I have um, versus just just calling it truth and leaving it there. And I offer, as always, anyone that disagrees, I would love to to chat with you um, because this is not about being right to me. To me, it's about finding light and finding harmony. This has been something that has been on my heart for a long time. And I just, I struggle to do it. I, th- I told myself that when I reach certain points or aspects of my life to where it no longer matters what people think about me or or I'll no longer need uh, specific bridges to remain intact and I'll do something like this. But I realized that that in and of itself was just incredibly inauthentic. Um, and so here I am, you know, trying to complete this. And I feel like that here's a theory. I'm going to give a theory, but I feel like that I have uh, been exposed to and been around so many more people that experience depression and fear and anxiety than I ever have before. These past, you know, three, four or five years has been insane, the amount of people that have um, reported struggling with depression and anxiety and fear. And my theory is that this is because of inauthenticity. I've been in the telecommunications space uh, for a long time and I remember in 2010 uh, when Android phones, they started getting even smarter and they were comparing them to iPhones and people started just kind of joining this race, at least in this country. 
in America started joining this race for um, technology and mobile technology that we that we carry around with us and, and what it can do and what we were aiming for it to do in the future. But with the rise of so much uh, revolution and in industry within technology, um, it became incredibly easy for people to uh, show whatever it is that they want to show. They don't ever have to, you don't have to see the real side of anybody at any facet at any time anymore. I can be anybody anywhere that I want to be and I can display that to you and it can, it can seem real. It, can, it is a reality. It is real at some level. Um, but the reason why I feel like depression and fear and, and, and anxiety are due to inauthenticity is because fear, those, those emotions, they're, they're some of the only emotions that only exist in the future. Like fear doesn't exist in the past. Like you're not going to look back at something. You may feel some of the um, physiological responses when you try to remember a memory that made you afraid that you had when you were actually afraid. But it's not fear anymore. You're not afraid of the past. You might be afraid of it happening again, but you're afraid of something transpiring in the future. Even in the moment, when you, when you experience fear, you're not experiencing um, a response to something happening to you in the moment. It's a response to what you feel like could continue to happen or how that condition could degrade or get worse. And since they exist only in the future, I propose that they exist in darkness. I struggled with some fear um, health-wise. I had a, a really unique health issue that came up on me in 2020, and I struggled to breathe. I could breathe, I could inhale and exhale fine, but during the inhaling and exhaling, um, my heartbeat was really slow. They call it bradycardia, and uh, my blood wasn't really all that oxygenated, so to me, it felt like I was suffocating, even though I was inhaling and exhaling, and I would stress myself out because I would get so worried about what that meant for my body and for my future, and I would just really have a lot of fear, which thereby increased my anxiety and negative effects of all the things going on in my body. Uh, but during that time, my brother would call me and he would talk to me on the phone. And he would just speak to me these very rational thought processes, these very rational things. And he and I would walk, essentially walk me back to this place of being able to think for myself in a way that wasn't self-destructive. And one of the things that he told me during that time was he said that fear exists in darkness under the cloak of the unknown. And the only way to get rid of it is to bathe it in light, which it, it made so much sense to me in that moment that if there's something in darkness, you don't know what's in the darkness, the only way to get rid of that something that's in darkness is to turn on the light. There may be a very real danger. Danger is very real and apparent. If there's something that is in the room that intends to do me harm, when I turn on the light, it's not gonna be any less in the room. But now it's not fear. Now it's a present danger that I, I can see and I can assess it and I can know how to move forward. But as long as the light is off, I don't know what it is. And so you have to bathe it in light. Depression, fear, and anxiety are all currently hanging out under this inauthenticity in that we have perpetuated. We've created a world around us that has next to no truth in it. Everybody is not accountable for themselves or for, them action, for their actions. Uh, and everybody is 
so hell-bent on showing a version of themselves that they feel like is the most attractive or marketable and they're doing even that blind <laughs> we're marketing things about ourselves that we really don't want out there uh, but it's just what gets the responses that we uh, have been told are favorable. But what would happen? What would happen if all of us just put the mask down? What would happen if every person just decided to to not just be who they who they really are, say their true position on things and not what the people around them feel like their position on things should be? owned up to their mistakes? What if we were accountable whenever we did something that was wrong to somebody or we treated somebody inequitably? What if we owned up to that in the moment and whatever consequences came with that? What if we ourselves could judge ourselves expeditiously? How would that change? If in the moment that I had a wrongdoing, I judged my own wrongdoing and I accepted and bore the entire weight on my shoulders of my specific choice, consequence, action, etc. What would that do? I believe that truth and accountability are keys. I really believe that. I believe that they are keys. And I'm not just talking about oh, like a key precept of life. I think that in the most rudimentary element of the term key I believe they actually let you out of something and I've experienced this in my life over and over again um, I remember being younger <laughs> and my brothers and sisters that they, they would uh, everybody that knows me they know this this story but my brothers and sisters would uh, get irritated about me at something because when we were younger if my mom told us that we were in trouble when we got home uh, my brother was very charismatic and he would uh, get her mind off of it he would make her laugh. He would have us all in the car doing some sort of skit or some funny thing that would make her laugh or forget all about the fact that we had just irritated her in the store or some other place like that. And I remember that I would still harbor in the back of my mind this truth that we were actually in trouble. We we're supposed to be getting spankings when we got home. And we'd walk in the door and she's not thinking about it at all. Marcus has done really well with getting her mind off of everything. But I would say, Mom, don't. Don't forget about our spankings. And they would come undone on me. They definitely didn't like me doing that. And I, I wouldn't like it either. Some kid uh, continuously doing this, I, that would definitely get on my nerves as well. But what it taught me was that um, for me, I was in prison with, by the information that I held. And I wasn't going to be free until I let that information out. And I was just a small child, but that, that concept, that theory has followed me, that truth and accountability are both keys. And the reason for that is that whatever lie you create for other people, you also create that lie for yourself. You may not feel like you do, but this is why people say don't lie, because you get caught up in a lie, and then you got to chase that same lie. You've got to keep track of all the lies that you've told. Whatever lie you create for other people, you also create it for yourself, whether you intended to or not. Lies are used for manipulation. They're used to shepherd somebody into the reality that you want to create for them. It's really a cage. But once you build the cage, you have to live in that cage too. And it's not always something that someone's going to intend to do maliciously. Like we're not waking up and saying, let me see how many people I can lie to today. 
But as you begin to interact with somebody, whether it be someone new or, or a relationship that you want to foster with this person that you're attracted to, you might feel like you want to show them all the best versions of yourself and you might interact or react to things in a way that is not authentic to, to how you're going to do that in perpetuity or going forward. Or you might be in a spot at work that uh, you are underperforming from the expectations that you have on you and that your higher ups have on you. And if you are not accountable for why you're underperforming, you will create this scenario or this reality because you want to shepherd somebody into this spot or reality that you want them at so that the outcome is more favorable for you. We do it without thinking. It's natural. But whatever lie you create for somebody else, that lie is also for you too. It's a cage. Because now you have to exist in that reality that you've created. Accountability is a key in the exact same manner. So much of the time we point at other people. We spend a lot of time pointing at someone else as the reason for why I did this thing. There's a saying that we love saying. We say, hurt people hurt people. And it sounds good. And I think in theory, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's some merit there. But again, that's in theory. That's debatable. That's something we can go back and forward on. Um, but people say that all the time. If there's somebody that has been sexually abused, they will look at their abuser and say, well, well, look at this. They came from this life and they were abused. Hurt people hurt people. And there's merit to that. I'm not a, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist, or, but there's merit to that. But there's also merit to the person that was abused and decided that they would never, ever want anyone to feel anything close to what they have felt. And so they go the exact opposite way. They become an advocate doing everything within their power to make sure that other people don't have to experience what they've experienced. Why is it so different between two people? I, I can't tell you how many times that I have interacted with somebody that has done something that is objectively not good, right? They've stolen something, they've lied, they've cheated on a spouse. They've, but every time you communicate to them about their specific action, it's always about someone else's falter, someone else's circumstance or someone else's shortcoming. But as long as that's the reality, then you're still in that prison. If everything that you do is based on what I do, then I effectively control you. It's interesting, but I feel like they're keys. Again, these are just some of my thoughts. I want to start uh, doing these, uh, these podcast episodes uh, for a purpose, for a reason. And I'm not here to make any new friends, but I'm also not here to unnecessarily lose friends either. I don't want to argue about things just for the sake of arguing and to ruffle feathers, but I also don't want to sacrifice any truth for comfortability. So this is going to be a new journey for me. And if you're interested in taking it with me, I'm going to challenge you to be consistent. And what I mean by that is I'm going to challenge you to be consistent in the way that you view yourself and applying concepts of truth, uh, not just from what I'm talking about or what you hear me going over, but, but in your own life and, and things that you may have biases on or blindsides on, uncover them, pull them out and be consistent in it. But if you feel that you're getting upset or you feel an uncharacteristic anger whenever I'm talking about something that maybe is triggering you, also please keep in mind that you tuned in. There's no prisoners and we're all accountable for choices and consequences. So if you're listening to me, make sure it's because you want to be. Um, and thanks for listening. Looking forward to chatting with you soon.
Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Michael Uday, and I am back for essentially, I guess, the first official episode outside of my intro episode uh, to my podcast called You Tuned In. Um, if this is your first uh, blush at this, understand that what my mission is, is to help use truth as a weapon to navigate me and anybody that would hear me back to um, a place that we want to be, back to authentic relationships and back to actually liking who we are. Um, and in this segment, I want to talk about uh, relationships. I want to talk about all the relationships because I feel like that's the, the most natural next step in this conversation because when we lie, we're lying to people. <laughs> when we're inauthentic, we're, and we're inauthentic to people and it's for a reason. Um, and sometimes that bleeds into being ourselves, lying to ourselves or being unauthentic to ourselves. But typically it starts out with wanting to control a narrative or a pers perspective or perception that somebody might have uh, involving us. And, I, and we do this in all of our different relationships. So I definitely want to cover a lot of this stuff. I feel like that there's going to be a lot of information and a lot of stuff that I want to cover. So this will probably be a topic that, of course, never dies. But uh, we're, we're going to jump right into it. Um, in my intro episode, I mentioned that when you lie, you build a cage. And while that cage is a reality that you meant for manipulating someone else, you also have to live in that cage that you built, right? Because you have created this reality and in order to uh, keep this reality going or keep it up, you yourself have to um, be connected or engaged in it uh, continually. And it's exhausting. Um, but this is especially true concerning relationships that you value. Now, I'm not talking to... There are some people out there um, that don't really value relationships. I call them people collectors. You know, they, they move from name to name based on people that can potentially do something for them. And you've probably met them before. You've probably interacted with them. If you're not them yourselves, I hope that you're not them. But you've probably interacted with them, people that... Um, they know a guy over here. They know a guy over there. They know a person that works at this place. They talk about all the people that they know and the deep connections that they have, but they don't value those people and they don't really value those relationships. And I'm not really talking to those people. Those people can break relationships and, and carry on and not have any sort of issue or struggle. But to us that actually value the relationships that we build, to lie within it is so self-sabotaging because what it took you to build it, you begin to break down so easily and in sometimes such an irreparable way. It's like when you lie, you're not only damaging somebody else's ability to trust you, you are also subliminally telling somebody that you don't esteem their intelligence. You think, you think that their intelligence uh, is one where you can tell them things and pull a lie off. In order to pull off a lie, you have to count on the other person's um, inability to put together all of the microdata or the breadcrumbs that you leave towards the actual truth. And I don't care how um, smart you think you are. I don't care how buttoned up you think you are. When you lie, uh, it's inevitable that you will leave breadcrumbs to the actual truth because the truth is there. It's available. Despite what it is that you say, the truth is never going to stop being the truth. So there's no way for you to effectively conceal every part of it. But when you lie to somebody that you care about, you're essentially saying, I don't think you can that you can put together this this truth. And you're gambling on the chance that they're not observant enough or maybe they just lack the deductive reasoning 
or care or in most cases just common sense to figure you out. And I think that's why it's so damaging and self-sabotaging because after somebody has figured out your lie or as they begin to pick up pieces of your lie, they may not tell you right away, but uh, what ends up happening is you automatically become uh, a less venerable source, a less reputable source. Not of any specific information, but just as an entity, you are less trustworthy. If you have manipulated me in a situation, I may leave that situation feeling some type of way about it and never communicate that to you. But at our next interaction or the next prospect of an interaction between us, there is going to be that that haze. There's going to be that shadow of the way that you interacted with me before. And it's less pure every time you do it. And then whenever the lie actually comes to the surface and I've caught you dead to rights or you've caught me dead to rights. Then it's not only the fact that you told the lie, the trust is broken, but then it's it's the why behind it. It's your motivation behind the lie, because at that point, all I'm left to do is deduce. Why would you lie? Even if it's something bad enough, maybe maybe I believe that you and I are close enough to overcome whatever it is that we have. But you lied. Which not only tells me that you don't value my intelligence or you don't value the truth or have the integrity to stand up for the truth, but it also tells me that you didn't feel as close to me as I felt to you. That closeness, whatever we had, I mean, is, is broken there in, in every relationship. And it's interesting, I'm, I'm talking like this and it's easy to almost demonize a person on the other side of things. And I think that's one of the biggest enemies of truth. The biggest enemy, one of the biggest enemies of truth, in my opinion, is an inordinate emphasis on intention or self-perspective. I am the world's best at deciding that something is less bad because of what I intended for it to do whenever I did it. Or looking at myself with these rose-colored glasses on. Again, most of the lies that the common person tells are not coming from a place of maliciousness. Sometimes we are inauthentic because we believe or we feel like it is the best option in a given scenario. You don't have to be an objectively evil or bad person to be a liar or to be inauthentic. You just have to be somebody that has made a choice or a decision in a moment based on your given information that betrayed who you really are or what the truth really is. You've misrepresented something. I heard this phrase one time and I I liked it so much because I found not just myself, I found the bulk of people that I interact with fell into this space. And this, this phrase is, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not even who I think I am. I am who I think that you think that I am. And I know that's a lot. That sounds like a sounds like a tongue twister, but I'm going to say it again so you capture it. It's I am not who you think I am. I'm not even who I think I am. I am who I think that you think I am. And and this is what that looks like transactionally. This is what that looks like whenever you um see it at a glance you are around a specific type of people. Let's say these people are straight-laced and they are God-fearing Southern Baptist Christian folk, whatever it may be. 
and you start interacting with them in conversation, what you're going to find out is that you don't speak the way that you would normally speak on an everyday basis if you're not already one of those types of people. And I'm going to venture to say even if you are one of those types of people, if you're in a group of the exact same type of people, you're not going to speak the way that you would normally speak if you were at home or say with your best friend. And there's an element of wisdom in that, just kind of knowing your audience, knowing who you're around. But also there's a deeper element of inauthenticity in that because you are portraying a version of yourself. And I'm not saying that this is not who you are, period. That's a, a big misconception that people can't have a bunch of different facets or versions of themselves. It's true. I'm not saying that that's not a version of yourself that somewhere exists. But the only reason why you're displaying that version of yourself is because you believe that the people around you think that that's who you are. The same goes for uh, your specific group of, of friends that maybe you got friends that you laugh together with all the time. And laughing is natural and we all like to feel uh, naturally happy. And so you might feel like that's your most true and authentic self, but you're going you're gonna to have some language. You're going to have some things that you say that are very, very different than the things that you would say with your Southern Baptist cohort that you just left at lunch today. And it's not because we're bad people. It's not because we're terrible people that desire to try to pull the wool over anyone else's eyes. It's a very natural, interpersonal relationship. And I'm going to call it skill. It's important to know how to know your audience. But I think even more powerful is knowing your audience, but remaining authentic to who you are, uh, even among that audience. Nothing you, nothing you can say should be surprising to any of the people that you hang out with. If you're talking to somebody that, that is in your, your friend group that you play soccer with, if somebody from your Baptist group cohort walks up behind you, they should not be surprised by anything that you said, regardless of how long you spoke. That's the version of authenticity that I'm talking about that's, that I feel like is true uh, among all relationships and the people that we have relationships with. I keep saying, I keep saying lies and inauthenticity as if they're interchangeable and they're not. I'm talking about two separate scenarios. Sometimes we lie, right? And we bend the truth or we break the truth or we misrepresent something that actually happened because we are afraid of the outcome if we don't, or we think there's a more desirable outcome if we do. And then other times we are inauthentic or we're a different version of ourselves because we don't want the perception of the, the reality that we built to begin to crumble around us. And this is true for all relationships. I think this is very true concerning romantic relationships, very true concerning deep friendships. But if you look at every strained relationship that you have, whether it's a work relationship, a friend relationship, a love a romantic relationship, look at every strained relationship that you have now or have had in the past and ask yourself, what is consistent? You'll find a theme. The relationship became stressed or strained when trust on one side or either both sides um, is at some point broken or faulty. Yeah, think about it. If you get into an elevator and it's the same elevator you've taken 
for the past five years you've worked in this building, you get into an elevator, but one day you get into this elevator and the elevator malfunctions. It malfunctions. And let's say it scares you and it drops like seven floors at a time, whatever it is, it scares you. Maybe you get trapped in there and you're there for three, four hours. Not a great experience. They get you out, everything is good, everything is fine. You still work at the same building and they call in the, the, the techs and they fix the, they fix the elevator. And the elevator is great now and it works perfectly. Every time you get back into that elevator and it makes a strange sound, even if it's still working, the very first thing you're gonna think is, oh man, not again. Even though all the times before that, that elevator worked just fine. You had one bad, you had one bad scenario. That's what lies and inauthenticity do in all of our relationships. And you got to start in order to like uncover these things and have better relationships. You have to start asking yourself real questions. Like, do you have friends or do you have people that you want something from? This is, this is a real thing. I can't tell you how many times that one of my friends or, or people that I call my friends uh, will reach out to me. And it's, hey, how you doing? What's going on? And as I start telling them what I'm doing and, and what's going on, we pretty quickly segue into whatever thing they think it is that I can do for them. And that's fine. I know the score in that relationship. I know what it is. I know what it looks like, but I wouldn't call them friendships. I also have a bunch of friends to where if something is going on in my life or they haven't heard from me or they haven't seen anything from me, they reach out and they'll say things like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm here. I know you probably don't want to talk right now, but... Just want to let you know I'm available or they randomly bring me stuff whenever they know I'm going through a hard time and not just in the hard time. Sometimes they're like, hey, I just want to kick it. Where are you at? Do you want to go hang out over here? I say, yeah, I want to go hang out over there. That's somebody that just wants to be in my life. You got to ask yourself that about the people in your life. Do you have friends or do you have people that you want something from? <clears throat> I love when we go to networking things. We'll we'll network but really in reality we're just sitting next to people awkwardly with a bunch of business cards trying to find out who can get us where we're trying to go the quickest do you love a person romantically or do you love the way that person makes you feel emotionally physically socially do you love your boss or do you love that they do nothing when you take advantage of your working relationship with them Like, are you authentic whenever you're presenting yourself to somebody new that you just met? I think dating is hilarious. You just meet somebody new and you think they're wonderful and you take them on a date. But during the date, you spend the entire time trying to show the best version of yourself, which is natural. Again, not evil people, not wrong people. But maybe you're not as vocal as you would normally be. Maybe you don't react as volatilely as you would about a topic of conversation that they bring up because you don't want to seem crazy on the first date. Again, is wisdom, but but can you be powerful enough to be authentic and wise at the same time? How do you maneuver in and out of each of these kinds of relationships? I think if you know that, then you also know really other important questions like when is it time to leave a relationship? When is a friendship no longer something that you would classify as a friendship? When is a love no longer something you would classify as a love? How do you deal with family members? How do you deal with people that owe you money? There's so many different things. And, and, and like I said, it, we're, I mean, 
at this point, I knew that part two was inevitable. There's going to have to be a part two. We'll dive into a lot of these things more specifically. But I just want to kind of prime the pump, get our minds starting to think about ways where we ourselves are inauthentic in our dealings with other people. And to start taking a look at those things so that as we try to navigate truth together and use it as an offensive weapon and taking back parts of our lives that are stolen by inauthenticity and anxiety and fear, we can be equipped, ready, and honest with ourselves first so we can be honest with other people and give them the power to be honest with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, I'm looking forward to part two with you guys.